Eamon Barrett, partner at Remy AI. Thanks for being on Apply AI. No worries. Happy to be here. Supply chain, retail, e-commerce, logistical AI. Sounds brilliant. Tell me about Remy. Yeah, well, where to start? <laughs> so Remy fundamentally helps e-commerce retailers, traditional retailers and manufacturers to bring AI and machine learning into their supply chain decisions. So our long-term vision is having an AI brain in every company that's looking for opportunities to help you make your operation more efficient. Supply chain is the first cab off the rank. The reason being is that it's very complex, very data heavy, lots of decisions involved, and a lot of people make those decisions in Excel at the moment. Yeah, right. The opportunity is enormous. That is the opportunity to generate some value for these businesses. And so the types of areas which we work, helping businesses with their demand forecasting. So that's trying to suck in all the data that we possibly can, be it events, weather, currency fluctuations, as well as, of course, their internal data. Yes. To give them a strong understanding of what's, what's coming in the future. Once that's in place, we can start to help with other decisions such as inventory management. You know, what should I purchase? Where should it go in my store network? So you go from the warehouse to the, to the front of house? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. And that is, that, that's a task that's as old as retail itself, inventory management that is, but no one, no one does it perfectly. Like it's a very, it's, it's a fine balance between having enough stock to service your demand versus holding way too much and wasting a whole lot of cash. Yes. So it's an AI playground in terms of the use case. And also, I guess, managing the uh, space you have in your warehouse to make sure you ha- haven't bought too much of something that doesn't move off the floor, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And then the final area we work is in price optimization. So that's helping e-commerce businesses to try to transition away from a static pricing approach where, you know, you might raise prices once a year um, because, you know, that's what inflation is doing, for example, and helping them to take advantage of more shorter term margin and revenue opportunities. Price discrimination. Oh, we don't like to call it that. <laughs> oh, that was what I learned in economics. I was... <laughs> Yeah, oh, we definitely don't want to call it that, but uh, uh, similar thought process. Yeah, margin optimization. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, got it. Yeah, I think some of these things are, you know, as you say, done in Excel. And, you know, the thing with a lot of AI that we talk about is can it be done better than a human? Even if it's a small fraction above what a human would do in Excel, then it's probably going to be a great investment. Presumably because it's so data heavy and so many calculations and you've got a number of clients and runs on the board of years of data in the system, you're far better than a human at doing this now. Yeah, so talking about forecasting specifically, we sort of help across two dimensions. One of them is certainly we're aiming for far more accurate forecasts. So the platform's able to consider you know, a multitude of data streams that just there are too many data points for one human to, or team of humans to consider. So that's one piece, certainly aiming for far more accurate forecasts, but the second is in the automation as well. So if you're used to doing things in Excel and you're considering, you, you might be using a lot of data admittedly, but it might take you hours to update your Excel sheet because the, the SQL query might be just massive. Ridiculous. Yeah. And so there's the automation piece as well. So we're sort of, we're attacking this problem across two dimensions. Yeah. You're getting the time savings and then obviously the, um, the benefit from more accurate uh, calculations, if you like. So how good is it now and how much better do you see it becoming in the in the next couple of years? Yeah, oh, yeah, good question. <laughs> so the forecasting engine is the most developed part of our platform. It is 
as close to industry standard that is industry market leading that it can be, I think, current technologies. So that's, yeah, very top notch, I will say, the forecasting engine. The optimization side of the platform is the, the younger side of the platform. So when I say optimization, I mean the, the inventory management and the price optimization. So obviously the, the technology is excellent now, but with more data, it's going to improve. How good can this actually be? Yeah, it's a good question. We've got big plans of where we want to take it. So the ability to consider more data is certainly one. We have plenty of ideas around how to, I don't want to use the term optimize because we use it all the time and some starts to lose meaning, but to optimize the performance of the platform so that it doesn't take a lengthy amount of time to train the models, to test and to deploy. So there are plenty of optimizations that we can bring in uh, there. And then it's about for the optimization side of the engine, uh, looking for other use cases. So right now we've got price optimization, inventory management, and they're both, they operate in a similar way and that it's a forecast and then it's a decision. There are many other use cases in business where that even that, that very same approach could, could apply. So manufacturing, for example, it's a forecast of demand and then it's a, okay, I need to make this many or uh, workforce optimization, you know, it's forecast of demand and okay, I'm going to need this many people on roster. So even those two very simple examples. Same approach. So it's all across the supply chain from almost like looks sounds like just-in-time kind of delivery of input components or retail components right through to we know how to price this better and get more margin right through to we know when to order this because we can, you know, forecast peaks in demand and, and whether this product will move quicker than the other. Absolutely, yeah. So it's the optimization part of the platform that I'm really excited about because forecasting is really useful, but it really... It's information only, right? It's, it's sort of what you do with the information uh, that's more important, I think. So it's the optimization side that I'm far more excited about. Yeah, okay. Some success stories in optimization you could share. Tell us, you know, where the rubber really hits the road. Yes, good question. So on the optimization side, uh, well, the two key successes that we've had are in price optimization and inventory management. Those ideas were born out of a pretty lengthy history and I guess, technology consulting, AI consulting. So we've delivered a lot of optimization pieces around um, predictive maintenance and a few other things like that. But the inventory management in particular is just such a, such a juicy use case here because, as we said before, you've got complex problem where you've got conflicted constraints that is not wanting to have too much inventory without running out. Yes. And so... You can optimize, say, one product in isolation, but it's when you start to consider multiple locations at once and having them share information between the locations, wow. between products, that's when you start to really think, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, I mean, if I'm a business, big, small enterprise, you know, what does your sweet spot look like? Does it look like having multiple locations and do the, does an enterprise or a business go, Let's do price optimization first or inventory or demand forecasting. How, how does that mix work and what's the sort of sweet spot at the moment? Yeah, good question. So we primarily work with, I guess you call it mid-cap businesses, so 50 million to one to two billion in revenues. We found that it's that size business where we can typically bring a, a large step change in their operations. They yep. might be doing a lot in Excel. They're probably pretty fast growing. They might have outgrown their current systems. And we can come in and just, you know, really take charge, I suppose, of their forecasting and inventory management. Yes. So that's sort of the size of the business where we're doing well. In terms of what people usually go for, you can buy any one service on its own. Right. In Remy. And, you know, more than a few of our customers have bought all three. So 
really depends. And how long does it take them once they've sort of said, yep, this is for us to onboard all of their data, get it into systems, start training those models? I mean, what's the sort of human capital investment that a, that a company needs to make to get this up and running? Yeah, it's a good question. It is enterprise software, so it's not quite a plug and play. Yeah. And yeah. Away you go. As much as I love that. We'd all love that. Yeah. It's, it depends a great deal on two, two key things. One of them is the services they want. So forecasting, for example, is far easier to implement than inventory management because less data required. Um, it's just a, it's a whole lot simpler. And then on the client side, where the data is coming from can uh, speed up or slow down the process as well. So right. If they have one of the well-known ERP systems that we've integrated with or have an integration already built. Like a NetSuite or Oracle or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. They're far easier to work with. If they've got an on-premise server version of an ERP that requires, you know, a VPN for us to get in, that's a bit more work. Uh, so it can blow the timelines out a little bit. But yeah. on average, we'd be up, up and running between, say, one and three months. Okay. Um, so in the grand scheme of enterprise software, relatively it's pretty quick. Yeah, it's very quick. Talk to me about this machine learning aspect. I'm really curious about that. So I'm presuming, although correct me if I'm wrong, that there's an element of machine learning per tenant or per client that, you know, improves their forecasting or optimization. And I assuming that there's an aggregated level that, you know, you can pull in sort of insights from you know, other cohorts across the industry. Is that the case? And how, how does that benefit the customer? Yeah, another very good question. Got you on your toes today. I do. Yeah. 90% of our machine learning is bespoke to each customer. So when a new customer comes on board, we build up an entirely new version of the relevant models using their data and any data that we can add in, such that there's never any customer data shared between models yep. ever. Like that's, that's been no, min- no co-mingling of data. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely yeah. not. But where we can further customize them for um, our customers is where we can start to add in external data streams that might be relevant. So if you're an e-commerce business in Germany, for example, Oktoberfest is probably a big, big sale event for you. And so us having a data, a relevant data stream that, you know, for events for um, Oktoberfest and any of the other summer European festivals. Fantastic. So seasonally adjusted type factors and that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. And th- so these are all things that customers might have been adjusting their data for manually in the past, where the old way is data goes in, forecasts come out, then I make my adjustments. The new machine learning way is all data comes in at the back and the right answer comes out with, with few adjustments after, after the fact. And presumably it's... For a lot of customers, it's very quickly after putting this data in that you start to show them insights that they go, oh, we always knew there was a spike there, but we didn't quite know why. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's one area which we are, it, it's a feature that we're actively building out with few customers right now. Yeah, it's great. called feature importance. And it's just, it's essentially how much does this particular feature impact the output uh, or the, the prediction. And it's a feature which we're trying to make more I guess, transparent that people can digest that information through the platform. So the raw outputs of the data can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes because it's like a if you've got 100 features in your data set, it just gives a score of how much each one influences the output. And so if you're just looking at it as a raw output, it's pretty pretty meaningless. Yeah. So we've got to, got to try and make it relevant to, to users. And do you plug that into your own dashboard or other dashboards, reporting dashboards? Yeah, so we've got a... 
we deliver all of our services via a web-based SaaS platform. The users can interact with things there. If they've already got their own system set up, you know, they run everything through Power BI or Google um, Data Studio or something like that, we can send their results there. API, API out to those. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And, you know, as far as the customers you've got, how quickly do they generally see a return on investment? Yeah, it's a good question. It depends on the size of the business, I suppose. So, for example, if you're a larger business coming in, that is, say, maybe $500 million plus uh, in revenue, and you've been doing everything in Excel, you're probably losing 10 to 20 million per month of opportunities, that is, because things are just done so manually and they take so long. So we can come in and we can show a return pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they are at the smaller end and they're, uh, I guess, more preparing for growth, that's when the payback's a little bit longer, just because, you know, businesses like that probably could stay where they are and not grow that much and stay static. But given that they are looking to prepare for growth, we're coming in and sort of you know, getting them ready, I suppose. So payback's a little bit longer there. Yeah, it's interesting for smaller businesses as well. Sometimes they don't invest in these future states. Mm. But, you know, what I can say from my own experience is data-driven insights, the sooner you have access to all these data points and you start recording it over a longer period of time, the bigger that benefit's going to be. Exactly right. And I guess the beauty of SaaS these days is that it's not that 500K investment to, you know, to access this software anymore. It's we can be up and running for a few thousand dollars a month. And if that gets you access to this stuff and you test it out for six months, great. I mean, it's, even if you, you don't continue, you haven't lost, lost that much. You yeah. Know, overall, it's a really, it's a small opportunity cost. It's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? I love what it says on your website. Behind our demand forecasting APIs are 14 different time series methods, including recurrent neural networks, deep learning. I love this word, probabilistic and uh, other modules to choose from. I mean, it sounds very technically sophisticated. Presumably for the customer, it just means that the reporting and the insights they're getting are cutting edge, um, you know, really tailored to their data as well. Talk to me about the system that sits behind all of this. Yeah, definitely. So what that means from a user's perspective is that exactly as you said, they've got a, a model that is bespoke to their, their needs. So what that means in practice is that for those listening, we've got a water bottle and a glass sitting on the table. The demand profiles for each one for retail store A would be very different uh, or might be very different. And so they might require a different forecasting approach for each one. So this enormous two and a half litre water bottle, you might sell once a month, whereas that glass you might sell once a day. So different models will perform better or worse under each scenario. So for the slower moving one, probabilistic might perform very well. Yes. And for the faster moving one, a neural network might perform very, very well. But so from a user perspective, they don't really see that at all. They just might see a, a label of a model at a product level on the on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. All they're really dealing with is the outputs, the insights. Yeah. Fantastic. It was good to know that there's a lot of science and math and knowledge that's gone into these models. Mm. And by the way, when I look at that glass, I see it as half full. So ah, uh, Good to know. <laughs> Um, any clients or industries you're particularly looking for at the moment? Yeah, so we're particularly strong in homewares, consumer electronics, and in aftermarket automotive parts. So when I say aftermarket parts, in Australia, that might mean bat core, burst and auto parts, etc. You know, they, they typically have large inventory on hand, potentially lots of slow-moving parts because when everyone needs a new clutch every day, for example. Yeah. And so we can come in and we can add some real value to 
how they think about forecasting for those slow moving products. Yeah, interesting. And then on the homewares front, homewares has just seen such a huge boom over the last year with everyone, you know, redecorating the homewares. Watching the block. Exactly. And so we've had a lot of, lot of success there uh, as well. And then consumer electronics, we've been there for years. So we work with large consumer electronics manufacturers uh, all the way down to retail as well. So the, the models need updating with this microchip uh, potential supply chain issue? Which one's that, sorry? The one with the uh, microchip shortage coming out of Taiwan. Oh, yeah. They might do, yes. Yeah, might do, but that's for, that's for the product team to worry about. But, <laughs> yeah, they might do. Interesting. No, I mean, look, it's fascinating stuff. It's been really um, eye-opening. Thanks, Omer, for taking the time to explain Remy to Apply AI listeners. What's the best way to get in contact? And we'll put these details in the podcast description. Yeah, no worries. So you can get in contact directly with me, um, ebarrett at remy.ai or just via our website. Um, if you fill in a contact form, that'll come directly to, to one of the team. That's awesome. Well, thanks very much. Good to meet you and uh, look forward to seeing uh, how you guys grow and progress in the next couple of years. Brilliant. Thanks, Tony. Good to talk to you.